The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and search the whole wide variety of free contests and an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Friday, June 11th, Ian Cameron and Jimmy Murphy alongside with me today as we uh, get set for the Stanley Cup semifinals. The second round is behind us. We congratulate the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for finishing off the Colorado Avalanche in six games last night. A terrific hockey game, incredible pace, great scoring chances, outstanding goaltending, and really the pressure and the pace that both sides had offensively in that game. It really didn't relent at all start to finish it was a great game a great game to be able to watch doing the betcast last night thanks to everybody by the way that tuned in to the ice guys betcast last night and joined us on the stream including howie Phelan, who's in the chat uh, and joined us uh, on the uh, betcast for the first time last night good to uh, uh see him and t- uh, chat with him and everybody else as well uh joined us on the betcast we appreciate it we'll have another one next week uh we'll announce the uh, date uh, in a few days from now and and make sure we uh, confirm that. Uh, but Jimmy is with me here today, and we have not had a chance to ask Jimmy and get his thoughts since uh, the Bruins were knocked out of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs by the New York Islanders uh, on uh, Wednesday night. And obviously in that game, uh, I talked about it a lot yesterday. There's lots to break down. Uh, the, the big guns did everything they could for the Bruins in that game. Bergeron was good. Marchand was beyond incredible in that game. And to think, you know, with the top players rising up in that game, they couldn't win. Very disappointing. Duke Aras didn't look 100% health-wise. Mobility in the net wasn't good. I'm stunned they didn't make the goalie change at some point to change momentum when it got to 3-1 in that game. I mentioned that yesterday. And I also mentioned what a shitty time. For Matty Grizzlick, who's had a nice season defensively for the Bruins to have two brutal giveaways and turnovers that lead to goals uh, for the New York Islanders. Just a a, a good player. And people aren't going to hear in Boston now because of 
how bad it was in game six for him, but he did have a solid season. And I remember he was injured earlier in the year and they missed him and he came back. He settled things down, but just a terrible, terrible time for him to have a really, 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 really rough night the way he did uh, in game six. And now decisions to be made for Boston. What do you do with uh, Taylor Hall? What do you do with David Krejci? What do you do with, as the PA announcer calls him at TD Garden, what do you do with Tukarask? What do you do with him? Uh, in the offseason so decisions to be made we'll let Jimmy have at it here the Boston Bruins take it away well you know I I think as we discuss heading into this series uh I think I mentioned it on here you know how much I thought the Bruins would miss Kevin Miller uh and what he means to that lineup on that back end and look I'm not saying one guy's absence was the reason they lost what I'm saying is that defense plays smaller when he's not in there and they play bigger when he is. And, you know, I got my old uh, Wu-Tang shirt on right now, right there. And, you know, they had a great tune called bring the ruckus or bring in another one, bring the pain. I mean, that's what the Bruins can't do when they don't have Kevin Miller on that blue line. That's what he does. He comes in and he brings the pain to the opposing forwards and he clears him out from in front of the net. And how many times did we see, you know, Grizzly or Connor Clifton or even Jeremy Lazon, who's, you know, he was battling hurt. He was playing with a hurt hand, so he he was hampered by that. You know, how many times do we see the forwards just have their way in front of Tuka Rask and, and just knock these guys off the puck? And, and that, to me, was the difference. And, you know, Brandon Carlo, uh, in, in regards to how, how battered the defense, and let's not forget they were missing him as well, and that was a huge loss. He was eating up minutes. He he kind of solidified that top four there and, and kind of could compensate for some of the mistakes we saw Grizzlick make in game six. Um, you know, but he made an interesting point, and I kind of noticed this watching too. And I think McGuire might have said it a couple times too. You know, how many times did the Islanders throw the puck down in the Bruins' end, but place it perfectly in what what Carlo called to us that no man's land, uh, where it, it slows down a little too much, and it makes the defenseman think when he's going back for the puck because he knows he's got a guy coming down hard on him. And what do we see? What happened with Cal Clutterbuck? You know, those those things, I'm not saying that Cloud Clutterbuck was hit, uh, was dirty, that hit was clean, but it was it was purposeful. It was meant to hurt Carlo in a clean, you know, within the parameters of the game. They target these guys. I know it sounds barbaric, but I'm telling you, if we were in the Islanders dressing room through this series in the beginning, I'm sure they had certain numbers circled. Look, this guy's dealing with a bad knee. This guy's been concussed. This guy has this. This guy has that. Go for that. Go for this. Go for that. We're going to throw the puck in, go down and hammer them. And that was the MO for the Islanders throughout the series. And it worked perfection because the Bruins couldn't handle it. And even if Kevin Miller was in there, I still don't think they would have handled it because I don't think that defense is built for playoff hockey right now. They've got some great puck movers. Matt Grizzle's got some great skill. He's a, you know, people want to compare him to Tory Krug. I'd say he's a little different. I think Krug's a little better. Um, but it's just, they're not. They're not built. And I put this loss, you know, people are going to yell and scream about Tuka Rask right now. And they're going to either blame Tuka or blame Bruce Cassidy for playing him or both. That's retarded. It's just, it's not, it, it, it means you're not watching the games. If you watch these games, you saw what I was talking about there. You saw the difference in how they won the physical battles. These teams were evenly matched in terms of that. You know, they had, I'd say the Bruins had more skill, but the Islanders had more grit. And I said it for other teams here. You need that in the playoffs. I don't care if you've got three Wayne Gretzky's. If you don't have enough grit, you're not winning a playoff series. It's just the way it is. And that's how it was. Look at Mario Lemieux for the first six years of his career, trying to win in Pittsburgh, 
right? I mean, he didn't get there. They didn't reach the mountaintop until they got those tough character guys. And the Bruins were lacking that. And I thought that was a difference. Uh, as far as the Tuka Rask thing goes, you know, you guys know how I feel about Tuka. I don't think he had the best series, but we just found out he was playing with a torn labor. He needs hip surgery. Uh, he's getting that in two weeks, and we don't know what his future is. He said he's not going to play for any other NHL team other than the Boston Bruins. If they don't sign him, they don't want him back, then maybe he goes back to Finland or the Czech Republic to play, keep playing there. Or maybe he just retires. Uh, who knows? My gut feeling is he's going to retire. That's really where I think this is headed. Uh, but we'll see. He could be a, you know, he could be a gentleman though, and you know, not give the Bruins really an answer until he's recovered from that surgery, which would be January and February. So that way, the Bruins now can go out and sign a cheap vet backup on on the. You know, on the cheat there, they're not going to bring back Halak. I think that's done. So maybe they go get somebody in to play with Jeremy Swayman, help him along. Tuka's there. They, they can have him, you know, giving him advice, what have you. Uh, and they keep him on LTIR. It, it, you know, they pull a Tampa Bay Lightning and use that cap space. Why not? They already have, if you don't count any of the guys that the Bruins have to sign right now. So I think they've got about five UFAs and three or four RFAs. Um, if you don't count any of those guys right now, the Bruins have 30 million in cap space coming up. So there's a lot of things and a lot of, uh, that Don Sweeney could do a lot of different ways he could go. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting off season, but again, I think when it came down to it, I think that Kevin Miller injury hurt a lot as did Carlo. And I just think the Bruins went away. They, they kind of got rattled by the Islanders and weren't playing their brand of hockey. Yeah, and it's uh, and look, uh, it kind of like the Islander Penguin series was what we saw with the Islanders Bruins. Did the Bruins carry the play uh, for extended parts of the series? They sure did. There's no question. But it seemed like every little mistake and defensive breakdown that they made, the Islanders pounced on it and put it in their net. Yeah, simple as that. Throughout that series, and the Bruins made too many of them, and it ended up costing them. And the Islanders didn't make many. The yeah. Islanders didn't make many. They played such a clean defensive series, and that's the difference when you're talking about a very competitive series between two good teams. Yeah, but the thing about that, it goes back to what I'm just saying. With you, you're right. They didn't make mistakes, and you know why they didn't make mistakes? Because they weren't looking over their shoulder. They weren't waiting for yeah. that thunderous hit to come down. I mean, the fact that Brandon Carlo is saying this tells you that was in the back of his head and the other defenseman's head when they were playing the Islanders. Was it? They weren't thinking about the play. They were thinking about paying to make the play and what was about to happen when they should have just been playing, just straightforward in a zone playing. And that they were rattled and they, they had that in the back of their head and it made them hesitate. And those split seconds cost so much in the game of hockey. And we saw that. And, and, and by the way, Tarimov, let's not forget what he did too. I mean, he's a guy oh, who lost three games in the first, uh, you know, in the first round. He was brutal in the first round. And he comes back, and he he stole. I, I mean, I don't care what people say. In my eyes, he stole game five. He yes. really did. He was great. I mean, they had, he had 40 saves, and he made key saves when he needed to. And the Bruins, you know, and I'm not blaming Rask 100% because he was hurt, uh, but they didn't get the key saves when they needed them. Yeah, exactly. Barlamov was great. And how about the, the – Barry Trotz is pushing the right buttons. What else is new there? I mean, he took Sorokin out after game one. Uh, yep. in Boston and made the switch then and, and and said, this is the right time to go back to Varlamov. And he was great in game two, and he stuck with him, and he had a great series uh, against the uh, Bruins. And look, uh, Lou Lamar- Barry Trotz deserves credit. Lou Lamorello deserves credit. I mean, he, how many times has he been now to the uh, semifinals 
uh, in his career uh, as a GM quite a bit. And look, he knows how to put a playoff roster together. Think of those Devils teams. I know they had the scoring up front with Patrick Eliash, you know, and guys like of that caliber offensively back in the days when Lou Lamorello was the GM with the Devils. Uh, and, uh, you know, you had Ralston in that. But you also had guys like Jay Pandolfo, Bobby Holique, and you guys like that on those Devils teams that were great playoff people, great playoff forwards because they were two-way forwards. They had a physical element. They, they You're right. You talk about players that, you know, they laid a body on someone in the forecheck going after a loose puck. Maybe Boston was guilty of not doing that enough and against the Islanders. The Devils did that. And they had guys to do that. And Lou Lamorello made sure that team had players that did that. And look at this Islanders team. They've got players that play that way. You know, Clutterbuck, Sezikis, and Martin. Don't you dare tell me that is not an effective line at playoff time. They absolutely are. They show it year in and year out, and they did it again in this series. Uh, Brock Nelson, we got to start betting goal scorer props on him in clinching games. Because in clinching games or games where the Islanders are facing elimination, he seems to score. And, and of course, he did uh, in game six. So something to keep in mind moving forward. But what can you say? Just a great performance by the Islanders, and now they're in the semifinals. We'll get Jimmy's thoughts on Lightning Islanders in just a second, as well as the uh, Canadians and the Golden Knights, the two semifinals, since this will be his last appearance on the show until Monday. We'll get Jimmy's thoughts on the uh, semifinals in just a bit. Before we do that, though, let's put a bow on Colorado-Vegas. Uh, from last night, uh, of course, a great game during the BetCast. Uh, Colorado strikes in the first minute to take a one nothing lead, and then Vegas answers right after that. And that was big for Vegas to tie the game quickly after Colorado got that first goal was significant. Uh, and then they ended up scoring later in the second pe- or end of the first period to get take a 2-1 lead. Uh, and look, the bottom line in this series was kind of like Bruins Islanders. Colorado didn't have that extra level of Forecheck ability, hounding pucks, physicality on pucks and on opposing players on the other team like Vegas did. That was really a big difference. You saw some of the goals Vegas scored, deflections, taking, paying a price, going to the front of the net. The goal that put the game away essentially pretty much in the series, Will Carrier's goal that made it 5-3 for Vegas. You know, a depth forward, just paying the price in front of the net, finding a loose puck out battling two Colorado players in the crease to get that puck and put it past Grubauer. You know, it's those little battles that Vegas was winning uh, in that series. They put it away with the empty netter after that six to three final for Vegas. And they close it out uh, in six games against Colorado. And Ranton did find the back of the net. McKinnon had a great assist on the first goal. The top line was better, but they weren't good enough to get them over the hump. And to be honest with you, I'll tell you where Colorado fell short, the latter part of this series. The blue line that we've sung the praises of all season with McCarr, who didn't have a great series by any stretch, and Graves. Graves in particular had a really rough series. Ryan Graves for the Colorado Avalanche, especially later on during the series. Gerard struggled later in the series. All these young blue-chip blue liners, they it's, you got to learn to lose sometimes before you can – learn to win and i think you're finding that out with this colorado blue line some gaffes some mistakes some breakdowns in coverage and they couldn't recover from that and look you compare the youth that's going to be a great blue line they're going to be a handful to deal with for the next five years don't get me wrong colorado's blue line but 
This year, they just weren't ready against a team that's got a blue line with the pedigree and experience and the Stanley Cups on it with Petrangelo and Alec Martinez. Uh, and Braden McNabb's been on winning teams in the past. Uh, you go on down that Shea Theodore experience. Now, Shea Theodore has been now in the playoffs now, what, three years in a row. So he's got tons of – and he just – that's what won out. The experience and the poise and the defensive aptitude of the Vegas blue line won out over the speed, the, the flash, and the dash – of that Colorado blue line. And it clearly was evident the later that series went on that that Vegas blue line was outplaying the Colorado blue line, especially in the latter half of that uh, series. And of course, Flurry outplayed Grubauer later in that series as well. The saves that grew uh, that Flurry made when it was still four, three Vegas at the time, they were up by a goal in the third period. He made two unbelievable acrobatic reaction saves on Valerie Nachushkin two in a row right in front of the net. One save, he got the rebound, popped up, made another save, and, and that tells you right there, maybe this is Vegas's night. He was terrific in the series, 36 years old, uh, and he didn't play like it in net. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, sensational, and now Vegas is moving on to take on the Montreal Canadiens in a fascinating series. We will get to that and Jimmy's thoughts in just a second, but uh, Jimmy, just your overall thoughts on this series and Colorado falling short for the third year in a row. Uh, in the second round, Vegas advancing. And I'll throw one more thing out there as well. Nathan McKinnon, I like seeing a little emotion from time to time after a tough loss, and he's being real. I I, I respect that yet last night, saying I'm, not, I'm going on my ninth year in the league. I haven't won shit yet. It was his exact quote. And look, he's frustrated. He's disgruntled. Um, what uh, I don't know what the uh, one question was, though, about uh, you, did you lose the series because you were overthinking things? I mean, it's not a matter of overthinking anything. It's just you got outplayed. Vegas was better. I mean, no wonder Nate McKinnon was stunned and shot by that. He didn't even know how to answer. He's like, what? Huh? Huh? What? Well, uh, and uh, yeah, sure that, enough, uh, it was a weird one, that one. Yeah. Well, that, that happened to be my colleague in Colorado Hockey Now who asked that question. Uh, Adrian, oh, yeah, Dater. That's right. Dater's on the yeah. Hockey Now yeah. the site. So he, he runs – look, I – I, th- I don't mind the question, actually, because I do think, like I was just saying with the Bruins, I do think that, yeah, I think they overthink things or they think about things a little too much. Um, I think as, as a team like the Colorado Avalanche goes on with all this skill and continues to not get past the second round, um, yeah, you're going to start to think and wonder, is this the right – there might be a ton of skill here, but is it the right mix? I mean, you c- you can have all the skill in the world, but if they if they don't play together well, if they don't gel, then who cares? Uh, so I think that's, you know, unfortunately, the uh, what what data was getting at, he just had, did not have a good delivery there. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that another day. Yeah, it's caused quite a stir. But one thing I will say, uh, and look, he screwed up. I don't know what he was thinking the way he phrased it. I have no idea. You know, that's between data and himself. And he made a mistake. Yeah. He knows that he's apologized for all the people out there, though, that are shitting all over him today. Like, you know what? I'd like to see half of you get behind a microphone or even just on a zoom call. And when you're not even sitting there in person and, and, and not, you know, you'd sit there. You probably wouldn't even get out two words for all you people that are criticizing data right now. You'd be too nervous. You'd be too shy. You'd be too gun shy. You wouldn't know what's going on. So, you know, just be careful when you're, when you're making fun of people, like just like with the players, I say, like with all these assholes criticizing Tuca right now, because he tried to play through an injury for you. It, it Whatever. I mean, think twice before you pour it on. I know it's easy when somebody's getting that on Twitter to just pile it on like that. I get it. But be be the right person there. 
just don't say anything. He screwed up. He knows it. You don't have to pile it on. That guy's going to have to live with that now for a long time. And let me tell you, I, you know, he, he's probably lucky he still has a job with us right now. And he's a good guy and he works hard. And that's why he still has it. Everybody makes mistakes and he'll learn from it. But, you know, don't pile it on like that. That's all. And I mean, I, I appreciate too. I saw that the guys from Spit and Chicklets actually got his back. So that helps because they got a good following uh, and they can kind of piss off the haters and get them out of there. But, you Calm know, the waters a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But for this series, I mean, I, I think it kind of goes to that. I I mean, you have to look at something right now. Did I say this the other day? Was it on here? Or was I on something else? It, like, what's the definition of insanity? How many times is Joe Sackett going to go to the well with this core? And how many times is he going to just think that he's got a Stanley Cup contender and not really improve it at the trade deadline? H- how many times is that going to happen? How many times is he going to let Jared Bednar uh, make wrong decisions and, and, and just call his team out at the wrong time and not call him out when he should? I think Bednar's got to go. I don't think he's that great a coach. I'm sorry. I think he should be out. I, I, I think that they can do better than Jared Bednar in Colorado. And he's he's has a Stanley Cup contender, and they choked. That's it. Plain and simple. And I'm not trying to discredit the Vegas Golden Knights. Good on them. Any team that can win four in a row from the Colorado Avalanche is a pretty damn good team. We knew that Vegas – you know, they are, they're a great team. And, and uh, Mark Andre Fleury is a freak of nature. I don't know how he's still doing it the way he is right now. But when we're talking about the Colorado Avalanche right now, you need to do some big things. And the first thing I would do would be fire Bednar. And the second thing I do is I don't bring back Gabriel Landeskog. That's it. Get a new captain. And I think the captain is the guy we were just talking about. Who was, who was facing the music like a man last night, and that's Nathan McKinnon. That's who the C should be on. That's where the C should be right now. Because remember, you're in a hell of a deal right now. You have a really good deal with Nathan McKinnon. You're getting him at a major discount, but he's got two years left now. That's it. And, you know, if you don't start to clean it up here and at least get past the second round, why is he going to stay there? Why in God's name would he stay there? Other than that the Rocky Mountains are beautiful and the, and the weed is great. Why the hell else are you staying in Denver? All right. So that's that. He's going to want to go back east and play somewhere in a, in a market back here, closer to home. And you better win that cup before those two years are up or before you sit t- at the table. You better get past the second round uh, when you start to talk extension with him next summer. So that's what I would do if I was a Colorado Avalanche. I'm sorry. Big changes need to be made. Jared Bednar might just be one of those guys. He's a decent coach, but he's a good coach even, but he capable is he capable of elevating a great team and an elite team to a contending and a Stanley yeah. Cup winning team? I'm not sure. Just like if you put him on a bad team, could he elevate a bad team to being an okay, decent to good team? I'm not so sure he can because some of these moves have been head scratchers to me. Why he broke up the top line, I don't know. Why he yeah. did that earlier in this series. You know, why he didn't uh, put in Bo Byram at any point in this year. Where the hell was Bowen Byram in this series at any point? Patrick Nemeth was a disgrace at times on that blue yeah. for yeah, the I Colorado Avalanche. I think you're right, Ian. I, I, I mean, I think you're reading it the best there. He doesn't read situations well. Yeah. He's not a situational coach. He's not an adapting coach in game. He may be great at putting down a game plan for a game, but how many times do you have to throw a game plan out the door? I mean, that's just the way sports go. That's the way life goes, right? So he, I don't see him adapting as well. I think he'd be a great assistant coach that could stay focused on one area on the bench and one group of players. 
but they need somebody else. And look, I look back, I'm showing my age here, right? I know I'm old, but I'll go back to when the Rangers finally won the cup in 94. I don't know if you remember what happened there. They had a great coach and a good team in Roger Nielsen. And he was a good guy, like a great guy. Everybody loved Roger. But there was something missing there, right? He was he was almost like he was too nice a guy, and he got along with the guys too much. So what did the Rangers do? They brought in the biggest asshole going, Mike Keenan. And it worked to a charm because the team united against Keenan. And maybe that's what they need right now. Maybe the Colorado Avalanche need another Mike that's available right now, and Mike Babcock. Maybe they need a guy that they're going to absolutely despise and win in spite of. Who knows? But they need to figure something out there fast. Yeah, it's it's a lot big off season for Joe Sackett. Decisions to be Landeskog front and center because obviously we know his status uh, pending a free agent. We'll see what it goes. I think it's time to maybe make a switch and put the C on McKinnon. I agree. You know, McKinnon was he he couldn't have done better in that press conference. He he sat there. He took every question. He poured his heart out and guts out and soul out right there on the table in front of him in yep. that press conference and said. You know, that, that's raw when you hear a guy say, I'm going on my ninth year and I'm pissed off. I haven't won shit yet. You know, you can tell it's getting to him. You know, this is a guy that he's look, he's still only a baby. He's 25 years old. Like he's still got a lot of uh, his best years are still ahead of him, believe it or not. And he's in them right now. Uh, but he's still he entered the league early. He's going on year nine and he wants to get beyond the second round. He's sick of this shit. Uh, essentially, you know, getting knocked out in the second round. I appreciate him being honest like that, being emotional like that uh, in the press conference. I'm still, I'm still stunned that again, Bowen Byram. Did, did Jared Bednar not get, see what I saw in this guy before he got injured? He played wise and mature beyond his years on that blue. I know, I get it. He's not even 20 yet. I get that. I understand it. He's a young guy, and maybe you're scared to put him into the playoffs. But what could could it not have hit? What, what would it have hurt, you know, to at least give him a shot in yeah. one game in this series? Give him a look at least. If he plays bad and he doesn't recover from it and it, and it rolls into next year, well, then you know what? This kid ain't the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody that's going to be mentally tough. I mean, what better way to see what a kid has inside? You know his skill. You know what? You know where he's been in the rankings and how high he was drafted. And you, you know what you're getting skill-wise. But what better way to see what this kid has for guts and mental fortitude than to throw him in the fire like that. And it, it, sometimes I almost think it's better too, in the sense that he's so aloof that he maybe isn't even fully aware of the magnitude of what he's in. And sometimes that works great. I look at Cal McCarr. You didn't have any problem throwing him right in, right? He went right from UMass. He didn't even, correct me if I'm wrong. To even play a regular season game. I, I feel like he just went right to the playoffs like Charlie McAvoy, right? Yeah, he did that year. Yep. Well, there you go. So, I mean, if you were willing to do it with Cal, what do they know about Bo- about Bowen that we don't know? I mean, I don't think they can't know that they can't know that much yet. They had a perfect opportunity to really see what they had in him, and I don't know. I just I, I I'm going to stand by that. He's got to go. Banner's got to go. Yeah, I, I thought Byron should have gotten in there. He was healthy. They took him off injured reserve two weeks ago. Uh, two yeah. weeks ago, and he still couldn't get in one game uh, as the yeah. series was starting to turn in Vegas' favor. They still couldn't put him in. I don't get it. If he's healthy, yeah. and he and it's not like he's a 19 year old that played like shit before he got injured. He was terrific. Yeah. He was outstanding for you before he got injured, and he couldn't get in a game in this series. I can't fathom that for the life of yeah. me. I can't understand I, it. I'm, I'm getting hell right now from my uh, from one of my cousins who's watching though. By the way, because how could I forget to suggest this person as a coach? My second cousin is actually the coach of Colorado's uh, minor league team, the AHL team, the Colorado Eagles. Greg Cronin used to be an assistant with the Islanders and Maple Leafs and was a head coach at Northeastern. So 
whoa, am I in a lot of trouble at the next family reunion that I didn't throw him out there first. But I, <laughs> you know, I, based on talks with him, I don't think he'd be a candidate right away. He could be. And I'll tell you, he's a ball buster. So he's the type of guy that I was referring to that they might need to just come in and kind of rally around in a hate way and screw him. We'll win and prove him wrong. That I think that's what they need right now in Colorado. Yep, they need someone to roll the fuck out of somebody, you know, a hard ass, a Tortorella, a Babcock, a Mike Leach, if you want to go college football ranks. Uh, yeah, well, that's what they need I, right now. I'll give you a quick story, too, because we don't have any games to talk about tonight. So Greg Cronin, when he uh, he goes his first day on the job with Northeastern University, now, this is college hockey, right? There's no fighting in college hockey. I, for anyone that doesn't know that, uh, for Canadian viewers, you can't fight and you, uh, you got the full mass. So, um, But his first day coaching at Northeastern, uh, the players come out there and the lights are off and then the, the, the scoreboard's lowered and there's just a light from underneath the scoreboard and there's two punching bags hanging from the scoreboard. And they're kind of, what the, what the hell is this? They go over there and he goes, you learn how to box today. And they're like, but we can't fight in college hockey. Well, you're going to need to learn how to fight someday, aren't you? Shut the hell up and let's go. And they sat there and they pounded the punching bag and then they, the next day they went to a local boxing club and sparred and it's just that that's the type of coach he is, man. He wants to make sure that you're mentally and physically tough. You can have all the skill in the world, but he just wants players to have the confidence that they can stick up for themselves. Uh, that's a beautiful story. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care yeah, that they can't you know, fight. They'll throw you up for fighting in college hockey. Shut up, hit those bags, hit that speed yeah. bag and let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it helps with other stuff too. I mean, it gets you in shape. You know, I'm not that I would know. I could probably use it, but I mean, I know people that do use boxing as training, you know, to stay in shape. So yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting, but uh, that's great Cronin. That's a great story. And yeah, there's decisions to make personnel decisions. Do you make a coaching change? Uh, all of that going to be important decisions in the off season here for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Disappointing. Uh, disappointing because I had them to go into the Stanley Cup and I actually had them as the winner this year uh, of the Stanley Cup. So disappointing to see that uh, play out the way it did. Uh, all right, let's turn our attention now to what's ahead of us. We don't have games tonight. We don't have games tomorrow. Uh, but we have Jimmy here for the last time with us until Monday. So we yeah. are going to get series previews from Jimmy on today's show for both of the semifinals. We will start with the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. This series gets underway Sunday, game one, uh, Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern time in Tampa. We have Tampa Bay, a minus 265 series favorite here in this one. You can get plus 225 on the take back on the uh, New York Islanders uh, in this series. This is a rematch of last year's semifinal series which tampa bay won uh, against the new york islanders the islanders looking for a little bit of redemption the question is has the gap closed enough between these two teams that the islanders can not only compete better with tampa bay but maybe win this series that's the question because tampa bay looks right now every bit as good if not better than they did last year i mean it's been an incredible run for the uh, lightning uh, getting past a good Florida team, getting past a really, really, really good Carolina team and just five games winning that series. I mean, it's it's tough to go against, personally for me to go against Tampa Bay with Stamkos and Kucherov now really coming on strong in that second round. They've got Braden Point, a con Smythe not a candidate if Tampa Bay wins it all. Obviously, Vasilevsky is in net, no question. Hedman's probably in the discussion, too, with how he's played. McDonough has been great. Sergachev on the blue line, outstanding. Incredible depth up front. Kalorn, Palat, Johnson, Stamkos, Kucherov, Point. 
I mean, the list goes on and on. It's endless. Uh, what if Blake Coleman and, and Barclay Goudreau and Yanni Gord and some of those players get their offense going? Because they didn't do much offensively the last round, and they still cruised over Carolina. It's a scary team, but the Islanders have the makeup mentally and physically. We've used those words a lot, mentally and physically, to, I think, give the Tampa Bay Lightning something to think about Give them a battle in this series, and I think they are competitive in this series. Will I go so far as to say they'll win the series? I I have a a tough time doing that, but I think the New York Islanders will be competitive and make this a difficult series on this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Jimmy, what are your thoughts here? Islanders, Lightning. Well, I'll tell you, maybe it's recency bias here. Uh, You know, I just saw the the New York Islanders play and, and how they won and and everything you just said, what they're about. So I like their chances. I, I think they're in a prime position to catch Tampa really off guard right now because let's let's look at – did the, the Tampa Bay Lightning just beat two very skilled teams, two teams on the rise in the NHL, but aren't quite there yet, right? They're, they're sort of – they're making their way up that ladder to, to be an elite contender, but they're just not there yet. So that's what they faced in, in the first two rounds, right? Now, who do the New York Islanders face? New York Islanders face a much more physical team. Uh, I would say a much more playoff-ready team in terms of experience and guys that have been there and guys that can know how to win a Stanley Cup uh, in the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, So I just think right now the Islanders, and it goes back to what I'm saying, the Islanders are playing more playoff hockey than the Lightning are right now. That's just my take. It, you know, I, I'm going to sound crazy right now. They look like a freight train. I know. And it, like, nobody's going to stop them. They're going to become the first team to repeat since Pittsburgh. Very well could happen. But I just got a hunch feeling right now. I, I just got a feeling that the New York Islanders are going to get some revenge and upset the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they felt they were a lot closer than the rest of the world thought they were last year. And they have some unfinished business. And I like the Islanders to take this series. There we go. Upset City. Upset Special right well, I got there. Another one. The Islanders, which you can get plus 225 to plus 240 on them for a series price here uh, in this uh, series. Uh, as far as the series handicap goes, the Islanders plus one and a half is even money. I don't mind that. I would have liked a little bit better price, but I do have some thoughts in terms of series price and series handicap bets on this next series that we'll get Jimmy's thoughts on. The Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights We have the Vegas Golden Knights in this series. In some spots, they are minus 450. And in other spots, I see them as high as minus 550 series favorites here. So you talk about not only favorites, prohibitive favorites, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, over the Montreal Canadiens in the series price market. I mean, you could see, like I said, Vegas in some spots uh, in this series is minus 450. And in other spots, as high as minus 550. So this is a significant chalk piece here, the Vegas Golden Knights over the Montreal Canadiens in this series. Uh, look, they deserve to be favored. They've got a uh, they've got a great roster. I get all of that, but boy, that is a huge number, and I think people continue to over uh, underestimate a little bit Montreal. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. There's going to be people buying into the fact that the West Division's a juggernaut and a gauntlet with Minnesota, with St. Louis, with Colorado, and Vegas. There's no denying that. Top to bottom, this is cream is a much tougher division than North Division was, which the Montreal Canadiens resided in uh, this season. Home ice. You're going to have a full capacity in Vegas. And from what I've read, Montreal is going to stick at least in the beginning of the series to 2,500 people again. 
for the beginning of that uh, Vegas-Montreal series. So home ice will be much stronger for Vegas in this series than it will be for Montreal. I get that. But, boy, Montreal has got, I think, pieces to be better effective against Vegas than maybe even Colorado was in the last round in terms of four lines that are all chipping in. Look look at what we're seeing. It's not the the Tyler Toffoli-Josh Anderson show anymore. Kotkaniemi's found offense. Suzuki's found offense. Uh, Lekkanen, when he got back from injury, he scored a couple of big goals. The old stalwarts, Corey Perry, uh, Eric Stahl, found some offense deep down the lineup. Yoel Armia, a couple of big goals for the Montreal Canadiens. Depth forwards, they got a little bit of offense from all four lines, Montreal. The Jeff Petrie injury is significant, no question. But from what I've read, he's going to come back probably early in the series. Might even play game one uh, Monday night in Vegas, which is when this series begins. But obviously, Petrie, Sherratt, Weber, Edmondson, the big four on the blue line, that is the key in this series. They've got to play every bit as good as they did against Winnipeg and Toronto, and even better, because this Vegas blue line is outstanding right now. Petrangelo, Martinez, and company are, are playing amazing on that blue line. And then, of course, you got an incredible goalie matchup here. Carey Price on one side. He's been scintillating in these playoffs, and every bit as good has been Marc-Andre Fleury for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's funny, someone on Twitter said to me, this is also almost like an audition here to be the number one goalie for Canada at the next uh, Olympics. It's kind of true. Gary Price and Marc-Andre Fleury are definitely on the short list of goalies that might be starting for Canada, you know, at the next international hockey competition. So uh, you got that storyline going on. You've got, which is, a, you know, two great goalies, veteran goalies that have had great seasons, great playoff runs. You got that storyline. You got Max Pacioretty against his former team. You know, it didn't end well for him in Montreal. And now he's with Vegas trying to beat his old team. You got storylines galore. I just think this series is going to be closer than a Montreal team that is plus 425 to plus 450 uh, in this series indicates. More than anything, I'm going to sprinkle a little on Montreal to win the series because I do think they've got a puncher's chance. But more than anything, the bets I like, and I'll get into this more when we talk with Alex on Saturday uh, about these series, I like some of these series handicap props. You can get Montreal plus one and a half games at plus 175. So as long as this series goes seven, plus 175, Montreal plus two and a half games is minus 140. You know, it's a reasonable price. I th- Those are the two that bets that I really like. Mm. Montreal plus one and a half games, Montreal plus two and a half games. The security of Vegas could win a long series, and I still cash those bets. That's really what I like. Uh, I'll sprinkle on the, on the series price with Montreal, but in case it's Vegas in six or seven, I'm going to win those two bets on Montreal plus one and a half, plus 175, and Montreal plus two and a half games, minus 140. Those are the bets I really like. I don't think Vegas wins this series comfortably. I don't see this as Vegas in a sweep. I don't see this as Vegas in five. I, Vegas can win the series, definitely, uh, and wouldn't shot me one bit if they do, but I think it's going to take six or seven. I think Montreal's good enough to push Vegas very hard uh, in this series. Jimmy, what's your thoughts? Canadians, Golden Knights. 100% agree. We're going to have a rematch of the 1993 Wales Conference Final. And yes, that's what the East used to be called, all you youngins out there. The Wales Conference Final between the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Islanders back in 93. And that, that could have gone a lot different if uh, Dale Hunt didn't knock out Pierre Turgeon. But that's a whole other story. But yeah, I, I that's what I'm seeing. I, I think people are still completely sleeping 
on the Montreal Canadiens. I'll tell you one person who better not sleep on the Montreal Canadiens. I know it was 11 years ago, but that's Marc-Andre Fleury. How'd that go the last time he faced them in the playoffs? Huh? How'd that go there, Flower? No, not too good. Not too good. But you were just a blossoming flower then. It's okay. It's all right. But I'll tell you what. I like their chances. I think they come out. They can split in Vegas. They bring it back, and it's anyone's ballgame here. I, I really love this Montreal team right now. Carey Price is in his zone, and if Chris Kreider doesn't all of a sudden suit up for Vegas and take him out, then the Montreal Canadiens are going to advance to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since they beat the New York Islanders in 93 and faced the New York Islanders. It almost feels like that's what's scary for uh, what's good. If you're a Montreal fan, they're starting. There's some big time similarities developing between their 1993 Stanley Cup run. The last time they won a Stanley Cup, the last time any Canadian team won a Stanley Cup and this year's team, they were down, I think, in the series two to nothing or three to one or something like that to Quebec Nordiques uh, in the very first round and came back to win. And they got bolstered by that. They looked like they were down and out in the first round against Quebec, much like they were against Toronto this year in the first round. They came back to win both series. Montreal in 1993 in the second round against the Buffalo Sabres. They swept Buffalo uh, in the second round. They just swept the Bruins. Yeah, exactly. And Montreal swept, uh, of course, Winnipeg uh, in the second round this year in the playoffs. There's some similarities now. And then they got better and hotter and stronger uh, the longer that playoff if I'm mistaken, they didn't lose an overtime at all in that run in 93, right? That's right. And they they had lost an overtime at all in this run. Then the Islanders in 1993 in the in the in the Wales final. Yeah. Uh, and then of course then the, the LA Kings uh in the uh, Stanley Cup final with uh, Rudy and uh, Barry Melrose. By the way, Barry Melrose has to hang him up. I was watching that on ESPN. That was awful. I mean, he's yeah. having a hard time getting coherent sentences out there about some of these games on those little sports center hits he's doing uh, yeah. late at night. I mean, it's. Uh, I hope they've got some other guys in the mix here for the ESPN. Oh, every week is coming on. Did you see that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Great. exactly. And PK uh, lost right something now. on his fastball. Basically, How about PK Subban right now? He was awesome. He I didn't see it. Though. He was good. I figured he'd be. He's, he's born to do that. He, he that like if he wants, that's his post career. He could retire now and just do that. You know, yep. he'll be great at it. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just I just posted a link to one of my buddies from uh, Montreal. He's a hip hop slash rock singer, and he uh, does a lot of sports type songs and about the Expos and the Canadians up there. And he wrote that actually the last time I think they were on their run to the conference final when, when Kreider hurt price uh, feels like 93 and it does. I mean, I'm telling you, I know people that covered that series, right. Um, that have been sort of mentors to me up there in Montreal. And I'm talking to them like, I'm telling you, Murph, something, something's going on here. I've seen this story before. I've seen this story before. And sometimes I know, like, like you said, Ian, I'm not going to bet him for or I'll sprinkle on it. Why not? Why not sprinkle on them right now? Seriously, you can still bet Vegas and save yourself a little and put put a little sprinkle on the Habs just in case. Couch it. Who cares? Because I'm telling you, people are sleeping on this team. They really are. And this series is going deep. I may be wrong on the outcome, but I think Ian's absolutely right. It's going six or seven easy. Yeah, I, I've been, I'm going to sprinkle on Montreal, too, because I think they got a puncher's chance. And if you think they have a puncher's chance, you have to bet plus 450. You have to bet yeah. that price or something. But I like the ones I have more money on, and I really like these two, are the Montreal plus one and a half games, plus 175, Montreal plus two and a half games, minus 140. Those are the ones I really, really like in this series because I think they're competitive. 
And I think they are a handful for the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights. And vice versa. Vegas is a handful for Montreal, no question. But uh, I think we're being we're 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 not giving Montreal enough of an opportunity here to really be a thorn in Vegas's side with the way this price why is. This, why does this series have to happen right now in the middle of COVID? Why couldn't this happen when everything was lifted in Canada? And I yeah. could go out there. I'm literally three and a half hour ride from where I live in Western Mass. It's three and a half hours for me to get to Montreal, door to door, to the Bell Center. I just looked it up. And I could yeah. be covering that series for National Hockey Now right now, and I could cover the yeah. Stanley Cup final. But I can't get in there until they yeah. until they figure it out. I mean, Our boy Dave Marinci is thinking of going to Montreal for a Stanley Cup finals game if they get well, there. Well, he's going to get back he's into the States. Yeah, I don't know how he's got. Well, he has a Canadian citizenship, right? He has a Canadian. Well, he's in Vancouver right now, so yeah, he's, he's good. A, oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, and he's a dual citizen, even if he was down in the states. Yeah. He's a dual citizen. I'm not. Yeah. I should be, but uh, that would be a hell of a series, Ian, in terms of the social life. Uh, yeah. If you're a reporter covering a series, there'd be a lot of lot of reporters with their eyes like this the next day at the game day skate. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> well, exactly. A very very good entertainment city, of course. Uh, the Montreal series, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no question. But uh, Jimmy and I are on the same page here. Apples. Yeah. We think Montreal's got a shot. Uh, no question about that. And by the way, before we wrap it up, the, we were on the ESPN tangent a little bit. I hate to disappoint everybody out there because I'm disappointed. The more I'm reading things and seeing things and hearing things, I don't think Gary Thorne is in ESPN's plans uh, for the hockey coverage. No. I don't think so. And I heard it might not be uh, their choice. Yeah. It might actually be him. From what I heard from people, he might be dealing with some health issues. He might just sort of – I think he's kind of at that point where he's trying to pull out and, you know, just live what little life left he has, you know. So it might there might be something going on there that we don't know about. I hope he's okay. But I, I don't think that's necessarily ESPN saying we don't want him. It's more where he is in his life. It could be Gary. Okay, yeah, I didn't know Gary had any health issues because last time he was on Baltimore Orioles television. Baseball, I don't want to start any rumors. I'm just saying, like, I think, I think this is just, you know, the guy's been in the business forever, man. Sometimes you just, you just reach a point. Christ, sometimes I feel like it. I did yep. yesterday. That's why I wasn't with you guys yet. My body just completely collapsed uh, yesterday, right after that series ended, and so I needed a night off. I was in bed by eight. I got up. I watched the game this morning, but you know. It, Sometimes you just you just got to walk away. So who knows? Maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah, I'm here. And by the way, uh, even if Thorne's not involved for whatever reason, they've got some guys lined up that are going to be pretty solid. Steve Levy's done hockey before. He's going to be one of the top play-by-play voices. Sean McDonough is going to be one of and might be the lead voice uh, as well. Sean McDonough, good Boston, Massachusetts, good Massachusetts right. guy. guy. Uh, Sean McDonough and great broadcaster. Uh, yeah. You talk. We've heard him crack his voice a few times in sports like baseball and football yeah. and basketball. Can you imagine in hockey, the excitement that sport delivers? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to hear some more voice cracking from uh, our boy Sean. But I love that. It's authentic. He gets into it. He's passionate. He's fired up. I love it. I, uh, I got to say, Ian, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I'd start with Turner ESPN, but, you know, and I'm not just saying this because I'm your co-host and your friend, but you you, you got to get your uh, get your name in the hat there. For some of these gigs, man, you you could you could do well. I could definitely see you being a, an analyst on an ESPN or Turner for hockey for sure. Yeah, play by play. I remember I was thinking I could do play by play. I did a little play by play on the Betcast a little bit last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm you, man, you've got the voice. You you kind of just have the, you know the right times when to lighten it up and 
you know, we, we love your rendi- your singing renditions of uh, tunes and stuff. It's uh, <laughs> some well, people at least. You'd be like good for baseball, I'll tell you that, because you can carry yeah. a show. I mean, how many times have you had to fill in and just do this by yourself and you carry it? I see all the, the viewers love you and they, they love the job you do. You should do that, man. If you ever need me to make some calls, buddy. All right. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's I'm always fascinated with the media aspect of sports, including hockey. And I'm always interested. Who's going to do this game? It better be someone good. You know, I've always thought that in the back of my mind. But yeah, Steve Levy, Sean McDonald, Bob Bushusen, by the way, is going to do NHL for ESPN as well. He's pretty good uh, as well. Bob Bushusen, he's done hockey before at the college level. So uh, they're going to have some good t- uh, talent. Same with Turner. They got Wayne Gretzky in the studio show. Uh, we'll see where else they go. But uh, I'm I'm interested. In it. It's going to be it's going to be cool to see a, you know changing of the guard a little bit. Uh, ESPN and Turner. With all due respect to NBC, who did great work the last uh, 15 years or so. But uh, yeah, the media package, the changing hands next year. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So Jimmy's making it official That's on it. this show. Montreal Canadiens, New York Islanders, Stanley Cup final. Both underdogs go to heaven. Stanley yep. Cup heaven, Stanley Cup finals heaven. And, uh, and you open the borders, and I'm I'm at the games. That's what I'm praying for. Absolutely, a uh, great stuff, Jimmy. We'll get. Uh, we have no best bets. There's no games, uh, so no, we will best just. Bet is for all you guys have a healthy, safe, and awesome weekend. There you go, and that's a good bet right there. That's a bet that we all should be placing right now. Let's make it a good weekend. Have some fun. Uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your families and friends as well, and enjoy the uh, sporting events. Unfortunately, devoid of hockey till Sunday, but. Uh, We will get going with game one. Alex B. Smith will join me tomorrow. We will have a Saturday edition of the Ice Guys at noon Eastern tomorrow. Uh, I will preview the series with him tomorrow uh, in the semifinals. Sunday will be no show. Uh, We've earned a day off. Uh, I have as well. Uh, We're going to get one on Sunday. There will be no Ice Guys show, and we'll be back on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, we'll have game one of Montreal, Vegas uh, on Monday. We'll break that down on Monday's show. Uh, So that is just about to wrap things up before we end the show. A reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. NHL and NBA playoffs are still going on daily. Uh, We've got uh, PGA U.S. Open golf, the next major next weekend. Football is only two months away, so now's a great time. Don't waste time. Get involved with DraftKings. Download the app. Sign up for an account. If you do, you'll get deposit bonuses. Uh, weekly specials, weekly incentives, bet boosts as well available. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. The Ice Guys is live seven days a week on YouTube, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, you can download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Check out the podcast. For Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday night. Uh, Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Saturday for another edition. Alex B. Smith and I with you on Saturday for another edition of The Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. 